0: Hello and welcome to the inaugural Fest magazine podcast and today on our show we're going to be discussing Sound of Edinburgh this year. We're going to be talking about the boy with tape on his face and Dr. Brown and we're going to be also looking at political theatre, talking about Coalition and I, Tommy and joining me today are Fest comedy editor Stevie Martin. Hello and Fest's editor Ben Judge. Hello. Don't go away. First up today we're going to be talking about Dr. Brown, the kind of anarchic, madcap, rude clown that's been, it's fair to say, taking Edinburgh a bit by storm in the first week of the Fringe. Mm. Um, we all went along last night to see Dr. Brown and uh, so Ben, what did what did you make of it? Well, it's one of
1: those shows that's really interesting and it, one of the great things about Fringe comedy is that you do get these shows that come along maybe three or four or five a year that are a little bit different, a little bit innovative, that are doing something new and exciting and something that audiences just aren't really expecting. And this, as I'm sure Steve will agree, is exactly that kind of show.
2: Uh, No, I agree, Um, but I also think that uh, this year, in terms of Dr. Brown as a comedian, this year's a bit more accessible than his other years uh, because last year was a bit more sexually aggressive and terrifying to be in the audience. So there was kind of that horrible, like, I want to be picked, but I'm terrified about what you're going to do. Whereas this time everyone was kind of together whether he was a lot nicer and a lot sweeter. And I think that has helped um, him sort of break into the kind of mainstream, but he's still not mainstream.
0: This, the whole show, it there's, there's no uh, there's no sound at all. He's completely silent, and yet he's incredibly physical. And also, it feels as if there's kind of electricity in the air, and that you can almost hear him, him his comic voice speaking without him saying any words.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and also like um, the kind of, he's kind of uses the audience a lot for the sound. So without wanting to get any spoilers. Get any spoilers out there. He's uh, <laughs> uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, like the the audience participates as much, so it, and he uses kind of the, the backing track and stuff. But it's, I think the fact that he doesn't speak means that every expression is like, even the slightest widening of the eyes, like this, just is, is hysterical because there's nothing else to, to latch onto. There's just his physicality, which I think is just so. Refreshing.
1: Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of the the interesting thing, and that, well, as a little kind of teaser for the Fest issue 2 lead feature, um, oh. <laughs> where you talk about with the biotape in the space, there is a kind of almost a saturation point with stand up at the minute whereby everybody's desperately trying to find a new angle on something, a new topic to talk about, a theme that they can attack in a new mm. and exciting way.
2: It's like the oldest art form ever, but um, was there, I was saying last night to a friend um, that, like, it's really funny, in like 10 years, we'll be like, oh my god, this is... Because I really think next year, after this, there's going to be quite a lot of either imitations or people trying to do new takes on the silent comedy, as opposed to trying to do new takes on this kind of stand-up thing.
1: I have to say that with Dr. Brown, there are 20 minutes that you really need to have patience with, that you need to kind of... You, need to, you need to trust that he's going somewhere. Um, at the show we were at, there were maybe four or five walkouts after about 15, 20 minutes. It, Right, almost seconds before everybody in the audience bought into it absolutely yeah, fully. Yeah, that's true. And so we're not. We'll try not to give anything away, but essentially, this first twenty minutes is it's kind of gently funny. It's not uproarious, but it's utterly necessary. Utterly necessary for where the show goes. And so you need to be patient with.
2: it. I actually did prefer last year's show because it was a bit more divisive and a bit more um, people either loved it or they hated it Um, like the, the bit at the beginning is um it I think that would normally divide an audience but because this year he does he does kind of uh, bring the audience together and it's more accessible that this year it's kind of been taken it, it, it's doing better than it did last year I think maybe is that a fair thing to say?
1: No, I think that's true I mean certainly I didn't see last year's show um but I I didn't feel particularly endangered in this show. And reading Tom Hackett's review, uh, the five-star review that he wrote for Fest, he was talking about the extent to which there is still a dangerous element in it, Mm. but you don't feel as though you're being humiliated. You don't feel as though you are the butt of the joke. He's Dr. Brown actually does care for the audience and particularly the audience member who helps them out as much yeah. as they do. And so you as you do almost kind of leave with a feel good sensation and not kind of frightened but true, yeah. while you're there at the time it does still have this kind of anarchic tension, which is really
2: exciting. Yes, it is really that's that's what that's the way for it. It's really it's just really exciting to watch because you have no idea what was going to happen. He could he can he's liable to do anything. And that's what's so great about it. <laughs>
0: I guess that kind of brings us as a nice uh, segue into our, our next topic, The Boy With Tape On His Face. Which yeah. In many ways, it's, it's not the same in terms of maybe the level of excitement. You do feel it's a more scripted show, but certainly the reliance on the audience and the mm-hmm. audience to participate. Because like, last night's Dr. Brown performance, there was one audience member who really took the ball and ran with it, I felt. Mm-hmm. and You know, you might go on another day and that mightn't happen like that. Um, when I went to see The Boy With Tape On His Face, there was a couple of audience members who quite categorically did not want to be doing what they were oh, doing, right, right. which is always quite... But he I have to say the boy taping his face uh, dealt with very well, but you guys have both seen it too. Uh, well, what have you? What would you make of it, Stevie?
2: Um, I think it's it's wonderful because I think um, what he does so well is it is the audience participation element, and also the fact that it's it's a lot more simple than Doctor Bannon It's a lot safer. There are no tricks. He doesn't really do a lot of mime. Like he, it, all his mime seems to be kind of ma- making the audience feel comfortable. Go there, stand there, do this. Sort of the odd facial expression, but it's the way. And, and this year, this year's show's great because it's a lot longer, kind of skits and sketches. Like watching him construct what the scenario is going to be, and you're you're watching to see what what, what it's going to be like, and then it's kind of re- the kind of reveal he does really well. Yeah, and it's just a very sweet show. It's just really sweet and. And very accessible. Like, everyone I've seen, who's seen it has just is come away going, that was just lovely. And just, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a little bit less, um, uh, it divides opinion less than, than Dr. Brown, I think.
0: So, yeah, certainly it felt like a lot more of, it's more of a feel-good show. It's, yeah, it's like a
2: crowd-pleasing mainstream version of Dr. Brown, I would say, is that like...
0: Yeah, Dr. Brown, there's, there's certainly a pr- uh, prurient element to Dr. Brown. There's a, there's a definite sexual <laughs> element to Dr. Brown. Yeah. It is missing largely from. The, when the boy had tape on his face, you know, at one stage, you know, he he has a gets a beautiful lady up from the audience and plants a rose in her mouth and she mm. has to watch as a bullfight takes place. Whereas with Dr. Brown, you feel like. He would hey, try and
2: have w- sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, the, that's one thing that. Um, is really important about the show as well is that the boy is a 2D cartoon Tim Burton esque character. He's not like, you don't think he hasn't, there's no backstory, there's no motivation for him, there's no emotion. He's just there to play and entertain, which I think is so, again, so different to what you see with like the other great shows like Jim Jeffries and Brendan Burns and the kind of great, kind of classic stand up comedians that are doing so well this year as well.
1: I would say The Boy with Tape in His Face is probably the most perfectly accessible hour of comedy. In the sense that you don't need any kind of under- I mean, almost you could come from a cave and really enjoy it. It requires yeah. no. It, re- it doesn't require the audience to really bring anything to it. I mean, Dr. Brown, I, I almost kind of was sitting through it a bit thinking, well, you do kind of need to be familiar with a number of different tropes to kind of really fully appreciate what he's doing. Whereas The Boy with Tape in the Space, I think, is, is the perfect introductory yeah. level to, to this kind of style of comedy.
0: Is it is it that mime is a genre or is it that, is it that we are turning away a little bit from the kind of the standard the, the kind of routine stand up where a guy stands up and kind of get, or a woman stands up and kind of just does their thing for an hour.
1: I think that the way comedy has kind of exploded in the last few years has meant that far from it being the case that people are getting tired or going one way or the other, it's just that we suddenly kind of are trying new things. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, this is trying an old thing again. But you know, I think this is a, we're in a really strong period in comedy whereby we're kind of creating va- variation, we're creating genre pieces effectively. Yeah. And it's a really exciting time because something like The Boy With Tape in His Face, you can't really imagine it being so phenomenally successful as it is just now, even maybe 10 years ago. Or at least not as consistently year-on-year successful. It builds a kind of solid fan base. You've always had novelty acts. You've always had acts that kind of appear one year, everyone gets really excited about, and vanish. But I think the kind of continuing success of the boy with tape in his face, and you know the the emergence of Doctor Brown, is is kind of paying tribute to the fact that the comedy market is now expanding and adapting and and varying in a really exciting way. And I think yeah.
2: So I was gonna say I think yeah I agree with you. I think it's really easy to say. Oh you know we're all bored with uh, stand up but we're not it's just it's just there is a saturation a, sa- a saturation a saturation of it on sort of TV and you get you know all the panel shows and you get all that and it it can be a little bit samey if if, if that's all you're kind of watching and that's all you're exposed to which is why these shows yeah like like you said there's always been alternatives but just this year it seems like the audience are getting on board with them this year a lot more because mm. they're open to going oh okay he doesn't speak that sounds interesting as opposed to, yeah, just kind of watching what they've seen on TV and watching what they've, which I think is really cool. I think it's a really good good thing for comedy, I really agree with you.
0: It's almost like, it's almost like a different articulation of ego as well. Like the traditional comic it's quite an ego-driven exercise often where the comic stands up yeah. and recounts tales from their own life and sometimes in a self-deprecating way, sometimes in a less self-deprecating way, sometimes with a certain style. but. Obviously, there's a, there's ego to every performance, mm. but the boy with tape on his face and doctor, and to a little maybe to a lesser extent, Doctor Brown allows the audience to read what they want to read into it too, and to yeah. pick it up in a certain way that they want to pick it up. And it's less maybe it's a little more fluid as well. Allows the audience to to fill in gaps and blanks. Maybe that's one of the reasons why it's becoming more more engaged for people.
2: Yeah, and I think with uh, certainly with the boy with table his face, and with Doctor Brown last night, but we don't know if that is like every that happens all the time. But yeah, the audience are sort of like the stars, and they are. It's not just like they're on stage helping; they are integral. Like hold this, do this. Without the audience, the, his show wouldn't work. And I think that's what's nice about it. And the same thing with why Doctor Brown's show, you know, being sort of le- less aggressive this year. Uh, it's the there's sort an of atmosphere in the room is is so. Um, I don't want to say friendly, because that sounds crap, but it is though, you know, like everyone's willing it to do well, and also things like, silly things like, you would never heckle the boy with tape t- his face, Sam, because he can't fight back, so you, you're kind of, you're wanting him to do well, everyone, there's no kind of animosity at all, and I think that's, that's good as well, that's just a different kind of, I, I don't know, it's just, it's just different, and it's just refreshing to, to watch.
1: And I think that if stand-up is a live art, or even comedy is a live art, is going to thrive in the future, it does need to realise that, hold on, there are these 20, 30, 40, 100, 200, 300 people in the audience mm. that we need to talk with, we need to kind of bring into the show. And I think that's what's really exciting at the minute, particularly about the boy with tape in his face and Dr.
0: Brown. Hello and welcome back to the inaugural fest podcast. In the first part of the show, we talked about comedy, but in the second half, we're going to be turning our attention to theatre, and in particular, political theatre. August is always a quiet month for politics, but it certainly isn't here on the fringe. We've had a load of different... political shows. We've got everything from Rock and Roll Politics, which is the independent chief political columnist Steve Richards, who's making his fringe debut at an hour-long show about politics. We've got comics like Josie Long, but there's also quite a few plays that are dealing with the issue of politics. And in this part of the show we're going to talk about two of the most prominent ones, which is Coalition and I, Tommy. Uh, First off, Coalition, which is a new play by uh, Robert Kahn, who is a Labour councillor in Islington, and Tom Salinsky. The play is set in 2014 and a and, and uh, general election hasn't been called but it seems to be imminent and Matt Cooper is the leader of the Lib Dems and he's played by Tom Tuck and uh, he bears more than a passing resemblance to a kind of a Mr. N. Clegg MP I think mm-hmm. it's fair to say and he's fi- facing kind of mounting disquiet from his own party and from his voters about a series of climb downs which again sounds pretty familiar to a, to viewers of uh, anybody who's been looking at the political scene over the last few years.
2: I liked it. I thought I thought it was good. I thought it was kind of... Um, the script was good. It was obviously very, very relevant. So people were loving it right from the start. You can get easy laughs from just sort of going, ah, oh, Tories are oh, like crap, you know, or... Oh. Um, and, you know, it, 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 but it really got into its stride sort of halfway through. Tom Tuck is wonderful when he's angry and exploding.
0: And I've heard someone describe it as kind of a lost episode of the thick of it.
2: I hesitate to sort of compare the two because I mean the thick of it is a lot better. <laughs> I shouldn't really say that, should no, I? You but can. I can't but like it I mean the script is good, it's sharp, but the you know it wasn't perfect, and I think it it does coalition down to compare it to something as brilliant as the thick of it because on it as a standalone piece of of comic theater looking at sort of a hysterical with a hysterical slant, it does the job. it's good. People were really enjoying it it's obviously very thinly veiled like ridiculously thinly veiled but like that's fine
0: In Coalition obviously there's as you say it's not that thinly veiled really it's quite obvious who these different characters are Who mm. um, Tom Tuck's Matt Cooper is quite obviously a, is Nick <coughs> Clegg and you have a, kind of a Prime Minister who's played by Simon Evans Richard McIntosh who you don't really see very much of who skulks around in the back who, mm. who's feared more than seen uh, Phil Jupitus who seems to really kind of enjoy his turn I'd have to say as the kind of a uh, quite camp political uh, minister without portfolio, no. which I'm not totally... Con- well.
2: I really, I really thought um, that he over-egged that, and it's almost like he didn't have... I can, I don't know. obviously know how it went, but it seems like they've just gone, you're the comedy character, you're a Tory, go, and he's gone mental over it. And I think it would have been so much better if he'd just reined in a little bit. Considering the rest of the performances were quite I thought quite restrained even on uh, Tuck's part which I thought was what made him kind of stand out um it didn't work having some ridiculous cartoon character and people were actually laughing and enjoying it but I think that was more because it's Phil Jupitus and it's like oh he's you know doing something hilarious but I I just really thought it was a kind of I thought it was slightly awkwardly over the top performance and it didn't have to be um but but there were some nice moments and um and, you know, I think you need a bit, a bit of comic relief after, like, the, the tense scenes and stuff. But, yeah, I really wasn't a fan of him. <laughs>
0: um, From Coalition, which is set in the future, uh, to another political future, to another play that's set in the recent political past, um, I Tommy, which is the story of Tommy Sheridan, arguably the most kind of complex and engaging and ultimately flawed political... Uh, character of modern Scottish politics. He started off as a poll tax protester and he led the Scottish Socialist Party to really quite incredible success and um, before a spectacular fall from grace after suing the News of the World uh, for defamation after a published reports that he was attending swingers clubs. And I, Tommy, is the story of Tommy Sheridan pretty much as told by one of his kind of closest acolytes which is Alan McCombs who was on the Socialist uh, Scottish Socialist Party with Tommy who's kind of a big member and he wrote a book called Downfall it's been described by Paul uh, Hutchins in the Sunday Herald as a subtle but brutal tactic of I, Sher- of I Tommy's the way in which it undermines uh, many of Sheridan's apparent achievements Ben you've gone to see it Would you would you describe it as subtle?
1: It was Almost offensive in the way it portrays this, as you say, really complex, really interesting, and actually, to an awful lot of people, very important figure. And it strips away all of that. It strips away, effectively, completely his humanity. What makes him a three-dimensional person, what we're left with is a two-dimensional pantomime caricature. This kind of lecherous, womanising moron. The way in which Tommy Sheridan is portrayed as an orator, completely, completely, fundamentally misrepresents the man. Tommy Tommy Sheridan is someone who made his entire career out of the fact that he could deliver a rousing speech, that he could make socialism interesting and relevant to the people who it's supposed to stand for. That was not portrayed at all. Instead, what we have is a buffoon who mixes metaphors, who gives dreadful speeches, absolutely dreadful. It does completely knock down all of his achievements. The way in which it plays with history and treats it Utterly with contempt. Now, obviously, if if we're talking about um, satire, sometimes you have to mix history to make it funny. But th- the crucial problem here is that it's just not funny at all. And I think you no, agree well, with I it. think
0: it's 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 uh, the script is Ian Patterson. Uh, well, he's cr- the creator, of Rob C. Nesbitt who is was, who was intimately involved with this. And to me, it feels as if he he just he strips him as you said, as Ben said of all his complexity, reduces him to this kind of oompa loompa tanned. Uh, womaniser who kind of speaks in banalities and, and has no grasp of even the basics of the English language, never mind the skills to rise, as he did, to rise a political party from nothing to make it the most successful Trotsky's party in Western Europe. Mm. It had six seats in Holyrood. It had, It was a driving political force, and I felt sorry, I must say, for uh, Des McLean, who has played Sheridan on the radio a number of times, and I does a passable job of um, imitating his voice and his mannerisms, but is given nothing to work with here. And you can see the audience when I was there, vast swathes of the audience look blank and bored. The, the play lasts for an hour and a half, which is Far too long for the amount of material that's in it. The laughs, when they come, are are cheap and easy and and very shallow. And Mm -hmm. I I felt that um, it's Colin McCready, who's you've probably seen on TV in Taggart. Uh, He plays Alan McCombs. Alan McCombs is this kind of very weak and ineffectual kind of... He's your narrator for the the entire show who kind of tells you what's happening as you go along. But it's a real classic example of um, telling and not showing.
1: I mean, that's absolutely right. And for all my initial criticism of the fact that it's um, unfair to the subject matter, it is also just a bad play. As you said, we ha- there's no kind of emotional engagement with the character. It is about explaining and not showing. And were it funny, were it um, well written, was the script in any way passable as a piece of writing? We could forgive the fact that it's caricatured them because political satire ultimately is about caricaturing. But we don't have funny. We don't have sharp. We don't have insightful. What we have instead is is a kind of is this pantomime, this really naff, awful, turgid mess of a production. You know, pantomime's fine. If you're going to do a pantomime, that's fine. You you can do it well. You can do it badly. That's kind of immaterial. But why you're taking this particular story about this particular man with all of its complexities, all of its intrigue and all, you know it's recent history as well, you can do an awful lot with it but they've not, they've not at all and it's the kind of thoughtlessness that's gone into it that makes it feel not only like a missed opportunity but it's something, something kind of worse than that but there were an awful lot of people especially in the west coast of Scotland for whom he was a very important symbol, these people were losing their jobs and they were losing their jobs almost by the hundreds of thousands. And he represented one of their very few political voices. He was elected to Glasgow City Council from prison. And these achievements are, though they're, they're name-checked, but they're washed over. Again, I, I'm I'm really disappointed with this whole production because, because of what it could have been. And there's very little in the way of Scottish political theatre at all, really. And for this reasonably well-publicised, reasonably well a play that's generated interest reasonably successful. For it to be this poor, and for people who might have an interest in Scottish politics or, or Scottish theatre to go to it and leave with the kind of impression that it leaves, I just think that's a bit damaging.
0: Quick wrap-up, thanks to my guests. We've had uh, Stevie Martin, the comedy editor from First Magazine. Goodbye. I've had Ben Judge, the editor of Fest Magazine. Bye. And before we leave, we should say a big word of thanks to our, the people who've made this podcast happen. Um, without We wouldn't be here without the great team at Hollywood PR where we're actually recording this podcast in lovely Leeds, and the sun is actually shining outside the window. Um, and Hollywood PR, if you need any publicity, crisis management, awareness rais- raising for your show, Hollywood PR are the people to go to. You can find them at www.hollywood.com. PR.co.uk. We also want to say a big shout out to Amnesty International. You can check them out online. They've got a couple of great comedy shows coming up in the next few days. Um, and last but by no means least, a uh, big thanks to our producer, Lewis, who's an all around good guy. He's been working with us all month. And you can find Lewis um, at Capture Media. So it's www.capturemedia.tv. Um, check him out. See you next week, guys.
1: Thanks.